There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. A show about money coming at you for the next hour. Of course, I am a money manager, Wolfgang Klein, Jack Hartle, my partner. Jack, say hello to the uh, friends and family at home, will you? Yeah, good evening, and uh, yeah, good Saturday evening this December. Uh, Patrick Ceresna is uh, joining us, as is Javed Mirza. It's going to be a great show, a lot of excitement and money talk coming in. Patrick Ceresna, he's a founder and chief derivative market strategist at Big Picture Trading. Uh, He's a market technician, a derivative market specialist, and a Canadian investment manager by designation. Javed uh, is Canada, excuse me, Canaccord's uh, very own uh, market technician, uh, 10 years of technical analysis uh, experience. He's also a certified market technician and a certified financial analyst, a uh, member of both the Canadian Society of Technical Analysis and the Toronto CFA Society. Uh, most importantly, um, the Wolf on Bay Street, uh, a.k.a. Moi O.C., I have direct access to, to these gentlemen, and it makes my job so much easier when I have access to such smart minds. Uh, gentlemen, it is the month of December. Jack, again, I want you to refresh with the audience as to uh, why you want to bring these two young folk on with us uh, today just to <laughs> have a little fun. Sure. Well, like you said, they're both technical analysts. And uh, last year, uh, in and around December, this time of the year, um, they had they made a, a what's called a Duke and Duke bet, which is a bet um, similar to what they did in trading places. So one dollar, one crisp Canadian dollar. Uh, and the bet was that the 10 year wouldn't hit two and a quarter percent um, at the time. Uh, so Javid didn't think it or Javid did think it would hit two and a quarter percent. And then Patrick thought it wouldn't. Um, so at the time, the 10 year, the Canadian 10 year uh, treasury was trading at 190 basis points. So 1.9 percent. And at the time, I would say I was actually in, um, in Javid's camp just because it was relatively close and things were, you know, looking uh, relatively positive for the economy at the time. Um, but lo and behold, Patrick won the bet uh, and he won it without question. So um, hats off to you, Patrick. No, oh, thank you. But, uh, you know, the coronavirus did all the work. I didn't even have to uh, do any real forecasting for that. I mean, that was a pretty crazy event uh, and it really dynamically changed everything a couple of months into the year, right? It did for sure. Um, and like you said, two technical analysts, two very different opinions. Um, and even the previous year, we had the, the same type of situation. So um, back in 2019, we made a bet with Patrick and Javid. And at the time, Patrick thought that the S&P would correct over 20% and, and revisit the December 18 lows. And I'd say into a wolf off air, um, Patrick, again, it wasn't that you were wrong. You were just early on that trade, I think. Again, the business, my friends, is one about probabilities. And so it's not a right or wrong industry. It's a business of probabilities. Uh, there are no sure things on Bay Street. But, you know, again, Jack, you know, you and I are just speaking off air again about the word risk. And risk is a very funny word because uh, it can have multiple meetings. And the key determinant for the meaning of risk is time horizon. Stocks in the very short term can be what's called volatile. They move around the map quite a bit and they can be very event driven uh, and, and responsive to events. 
but time solves problems. And I go back to risk is mitigated with time. Uh, so short-term trading and guessing the next six months is very difficult. But again, uh, we pros like to do that every now and then. Uh, Jack and I have a, have a whole list of market forecasts from, from Wall Street as to what they expect the S&P 500 to do next year. And I think the range is for the S&P 500 to uh, hit 4,200 and 3,300. So it's 1,000 points uh, between the, uh, the, the between the goalposts and the current market value of the S&P is 3,700 points. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Patrick Ceresna, Jeb and Mirza. So let, let's speak about next year. Um, uh, let's begin with our guest, Patrick. Patrick, what's your call for 2021? Uh, what type of year do you anticipate us having and why? Well, and, uh, there's there's probably going to be a little bit of a, a hangover from the uh, um, uh, the COVID period as we basically enter a period where it's no longer going to be about the liquidity provided by the Fed, but rather the solvency of many of these businesses. Uh, and so I think there could be stresses in things like the uh, high yield bond markets and other areas like that. But I, I feel that the uh, the bear market lows are uh, are in, and so. Uh, the, while the stock market is frothy here uh, and probably uh, way overdue for a pause, uh, the pause will just simply be buying opportunities. Uh, so we could we could step back and see a, a 10 to 15 percent market correction into the new year, but that would simply be like you were saying the volatility of those ranges. It's not I, I I'm no longer outright bearish the way I was over the past couple of years. Yeah, I did call you a perma bear. And uh, again, the business is one of probabilities. And I think a key uh, tenant of a successful money manager is to know when to pivot. I'm not speaking about uh, on, off, all in, all up, but pivot in a gradual fashion in the new direction. Uh, Javid, over to you, my good friend. What's your uh, anticipation for the year 2021? So our technical work suggests that the first half of the year should be pretty good. Uh, I agree with Patrick. I'm cautious right here. I think we've had a pretty good move, and uh, all our signs suggest that there's going to be at least some sort of short-term pause or consolidation. But uh, outside of that, the first half of the year should be pretty strong and pretty decent. Uh, What we're looking for is in our market cycle model, we're shifting into phase three. And the reason that's important is there's certain sectors that typically do well in phase three, but what's most important is that phase three is typically the topping phase of uh, the the average four-year cycle. And we do this longer-term cycle work and this shorter-term cycle work. Long-term cycle work, 20 years to 25 years, short-term cycle, three to five years. So the Front half of the year um, should be pretty good, but we're cautious into the end of 2021 and early 2022. Um, since we're speaking about phase three, Javid, I want you to, to take a step back. Pat, Patrick, this is going to be interesting. I think you'll appreciate what Javid is going to share with you to listen. And again, I need to be refreshed on the concept. The concept is the four-year cycle. The four-year cycle basically says that the market goes through four phases uh, during a four-year period and then resets itself. And that tends to historically uh, tie in with the presidential cycle. And again, we're about to begin a new presidential cycle. Javik, can you please share with the audience uh, the the four stages of the four-year cycle and why you believe we're about to go into a reset of the four-year cycle second half of the year? And my, my question is twofold on that front because I believe you – 
said we were just entering a new four-year cycle about 18 months ago. One was um, truncated short, and then a new one began. Uh, so speak, please, to a four-year cycle. Explain it to us once again and, and where you think we are and are heading into. Perfect. So the four-year cycle uh, is what's effectively most people who have taken some sort of economics course uh, know as the business cycle. So every three to year, three to five years, the market goes through these peaks and troughs. In our view, back in December 2018, that was the trough of a cycle that began in early 2016 and that the new uh, cycle here is taking hold. So all the signs that we look at, specifically sector rotation, market performance, uh, strongly suggest that we are heading into phase three of this market cycle. And there's five phases, and they can last anywhere from six to 16 months. And we actually, during the pandemic, we went through effectively an entire cycle within the span of uh, effectively a month and a half. But what our work suggests is that we're heading into the peak phase. Uh, This is when the economy is running on all cylinders. And this is when the market is, uh, the stock market is actually getting ready to top out. So we think that'll happen either in the latter half of 2021 or the first half of 2022. And so we're already seeing some of the signs of that uh, because the when the economy is running in all cylinders, you start to see early signs of inflation, and that is typically transferred through in the prices of resources. So basic materials, so stuff that you can drop on your foot, and if you drop it on your foot, it hurts, so copper, lumber, and then also energy. And so specifically energy uh, has been a laggard for quite a while, and we're finally starting to see uh, energy pick up here. So that's definitely one of the things that in our work suggest we're heading towards the market topping phase. Well, energy is very important to Bay Street without question. Last week on the show, uh, Denise Chisholm, um, a uh, sector uh, strategist with Fidelity Investments uh, on Wall Street, watching out of Boston, uh, she was quite bullish on uh, crude oil for next year uh, and thinks certainly it is becoming quite constructive. Of course, uh, Rafi uh, Tamazian uh, from Canoe Energy uh, thinks the acquired, the acquire ore. Uh, oil companies are the ones you want to own, also pointing into a bullish fashion. But we've also seen strength in exactly what you said, stuff that if you drop it on your big toe, you are going to say, ouch. Um, so the question is oils versus base metals. But look, we're going to go on a commercial break. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted to be joined with Javik Mirza, Canaccord uh, Genuity's uh, very own technical analyst. There's very few technicians left in the marketplace. It's a delight to have a real warm body to work with when it comes to technical analysis. And Patrick Ceresna, a uh, market strategist at Big Picture Trading, a chartered market technician as well. We're talking about the year 2021 and what's in store. Quick commercial break, right back to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640. Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We're talking money, folks. Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, money manager, Guy on Bay Street. Well, I used to be on Bay Street. Now I'm working from home, and I shall probably remain in my abode for a number of months till 
Well, till they tell us it's okay to go outside. Uh, indeed, the world is beginning to be vaccinated. Um, the uh, the story is improving without question. But a uh, little Warren Buffett quote for you this morning. Warren, or this evening, I should say. Warren Buffett, he's a funny man, isn't he? Uh, I wish I had a bit of his money. But nonetheless, a lot of quotes around sex. <laughs> and his uh, most recent I picked up was um, the market is sort of like sex. The best part is at the end. Uh, Javid Mirza is a technician with Canaccord joining us this evening. Patrick Ceresna is also a uh, market strategist with Big, big Picture Trading. Uh, gentlemen, uh, do you agree with Warren Buffett? Is uh, the market like sex with the best part at the end? <laughs> and where are we uh, in the market cycle right here, right now, as we uh, conclude uh, this incredible year of 2020? Well, uh, I I would actually disagree. Actually, I think that it's actually the most challenging at the tail end uh, because uh, there's rarely (laughs) education for that, Patrick. Don't worry. Yeah, no, but uh, but there but rarely um, does uh, there's very little asymmetry in the markets at the tail end, and you're always trying to uh, to stay with the trend and capture more, uh, but uh, at increasing risks. And so I find it uh, actually much easier to make money in in mid cycle than at the end. But anyway, so but uh, it is uh, just to you know circle back to the the topic that you were talking about earlier. Resources continue to be very interesting, and uh, and I think that that was a, it's a perfect example where there was a lot of opportunity to capture some really big alpha on the upside, you know, playing many of those resources and uh, outside of gold. And you had many of them and many of them still very strong today, but it's increasingly challenging to determine as to whether this is a tactical time to be adding to that trade. I mean, if you've been invested in resources for the last three months, then you certainly are seeing it in your returns. But is this the the tactical time to be adding to it is a, is a little trickier at this moment with many of those markets very overbought. Well, without, without question, Patrick, again, uh, that which is done best in the month of November and the beginning of December has actually been the worst performing still year to date. So uh, those strong, that, that strong turn certainly is evident, but still uh, quite uh, anemic on the year. It's interesting because uh, Jack and I entered a uh, uranium trade this week, uh, trying to catch a turn on it. And it's remarkable. We have to remind ourselves, friends at home, if you're going to invest in commodities, so be it. Uh, it's a great place to be, and it's a big part of the Canadian market, but they are cyclical like no other sector I have ever worked with. And cyclical stocks need to be bought at the bottom and sold at the top or on the way up or as they begin to roll. But certainly, buy and hold commodity names for, for three, four decades, five decades can be uh, quite detrimental. I just looked at Suncor. Uh, Suncor is a stock that Jack and I picked up, oh, I don't know, about $40 when oil was about 40 bucks a barrel. Um, and it was the, the trade went our way, then it went against us. Stock is now in half. And I looked at the, the chart on Suncor. It's the same price today as it was 20 years ago when I got into this business. Uh, and 20 years ago, a new commodity bull market was beginning. And it was historic for Bay Street taking the TSX above the level of the Dow Jones Industrial. That was absolutely fascinating as well. Now the Dow's flirting with 30,000. Um, Ron Mizell just uh, 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 wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail forecasting Dow 100,000 
by the end of the decade. Uh, gentlemen, speak to that. Ten years forward, Dow 1,000, Dow 100,000. Do you see it? Uh, well, for, uh, this is Patrick here. I, I would say that uh, it is certainly possible if the um, if the inflation environment is there. Like if if we see us moving toward a period where the way that we deal with money and the money regime changes, uh, it could be very inflationary, and that in itself could drive equity prices higher. So it's not out of the realm of impossibility for it. I don't. I don't tend to look at my uh, analysis that way. I, I tend to uh, just focus on the year or, or two ahead rather than anchoring off of a, a ten-year forecast like that. But I wouldn't say it's uh, it's impossible. What about Javit, uh, our market technician at Canaccor? What do you think about Dow one hundred thousand uh, nine nine ten years forward? Well, you know my view. Uh, we've been talking about this since I came on the show a couple of years ago. Our view is that there's a secular bull market uh, in place out into 2030. I haven't run the exact uh, correlation of where we anticipate the Dow to end up, so I can't speak to that number uh, directly. Yeah, yeah, I just want to highlight that Patrick made a variety of great points that I totally agree with, and this is in regards to the Warren Buffett quote you made. So uh, the first point is professionals – look at reward and risk. And as you get into the later half of the cycle, the reward to risk ratio is definitely skewed to the downside. So professionals are looking to mitigate risk where amateurs are looking at just returns. And that's why typically they tend to get punished because they're just looking at, you know, XYZ is going to go to the moon, whereas they don't realize that the downside potential uh, on that is asymmetric and skewed to the downside. So well, that, that, Warren Buff, you know, Warren Buffett's second quote to that, Jeff, I can jump in here. Warren Buffett also says that uh, having unprotected sex could result in unintended consequences. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> Protect your portfolio so you don't have unintended consequences. But so let's speak to that, gentlemen. And again, start with you, Javid. How can yeah. we protect our portfolios then uh, for the upcoming volatility? Well, I, I think that's essentially what I do uh, as a market technician is that we look at reward and risk and we figure out, you know, when is a good time to be in the market and when is a good time to be out of the market. So it's funny, the studies, you know, people talk about market timing, um, but uh, the veracity uh, is of the studies is that uh, momentum, price momentum works and historically has added above average returns. If you look at some of these uh, university and uh, uh, studies from uh, actual academics, so what I would say is, for, I'll give you a recent example, is we were extremely bullish back in October. The market was very concerned. There was a lot of investor skittishness. And now it's the exact opposite. I'm very apprehensive here. And I just put out a note called trimming into strength as the S&P 500 hit our 3,700 year-end target. We're dancing right around that 3,700 target. And if you recall, Wolf, at the start of the year, that was our target. That's what we put out. And we actually never touched it during the pandemic because our cycle work uh, is what separates us, separates us and differentiates us from other technical analysts. And that was what allowed us to see that what happened during the pandemic was a black swan event. And so we stuck with our $3,700, uh, or sorry, not dollar, but 3,700 target on the S&P 500. So uh, the key takeaway is having that additional lens is what really helps you from not 
buying into a decline and that's typically on the fundamental side you know if something goes is gets cheaper it's even more attractive but typically from a technical perspective if something's breaking down that's time to to move away and the last point i'll make is what you talked about is shifting at the margin to these bigger changes uh, and that's what portfolio managers do and that's really what you know that we try to help identify is these shifts at the margin. And you just mentioned that uranium trade. I mean, we highlighted uranium was improving in our most recent note. And this is, you know, a a position that is likely to to last well into next year, given our market cycle model view that basic materials should continue to have a good run, at least into the summer of next year. Um, The, uh, again, a big, uh, the year's ending on a bust, with the U.S. dollar, uh, each of you, I want you to give me your opinion on the U.S. dollar. Uh, start with you, Patrick. Uh, which, which way do you think the U.S. dollar is going from here? To, and give me, give me some levels as to where it hits bottom and how, how, how far it can rally if it, if it ever turns. Uh, well, I, I guess we'll speak to uh, the Canadian dollar against the U.S. dollar, or did you want to just talk Canadian, more broadly? Okay, yeah, Canadian the dollar, you're sure. No, Canadian versus U.S. That's what, that's what matters. Sure. Like... And so, so uh, the uh, Canadian dollar uh, has actually been uh, one of the strongest currency pairings. Like uh, uh, when when looking at all the pair, uh, all of the currencies out there, uh, the, while the euro has done well, uh, the Canadian dollar uh, has really just, especially in the last month, accelerated. Uh, some of my uh, my target mo- uh, measurements were at this very level, around the seventy-eight and a half cent level. Uh, on that, which uh, I guess if you wanted to look at it, the other currency pairing, it would be uh, down at this uh, 127 level on on the U.S. dollar against the Canadian. And um, I still think that Canadian, if I'm I'm very bullish on the resources, and I, I think that the commodity bull market's beginning, and I think this will be a challenge for the Canadian market specifically, that we're going to be fighting a strong currency, which tends to be correlated with uh, with commodity trend. And so while, while I think there's uh, different cross-currents for the U.S. dollar against different countries, the Canadian dollar actually uh, may re- remain in this trend, but maybe be a little, little bit overdone here on the short term. So 78 cents, you think it's getting a little toppy on the Canadian dollar. Uh, Javid, over to you. What's your call for the Canadian dollar as we head into 2021 and there thereafter so uh, our view is that this is a counter trend bounce in commodities that should last out into the middle of next year uh, 79 cents to 80 cents is our target here on canadian dollar relative to the u.s dollar now that being said our target out in 2030 is 63 cents on the canadian dollar so we see this as a counter trend bounce within a long-term downtrend Jeff, I want to ask you one more question. Again, so you're saying 63 cents 10 years out for the Canadian dollar. Again, bold call. It's very difficult to forecast uh, the long-term future, but the short-term future is actually even harder to forecast every now and then. Uh, But let's tie in that to Dow 100,000. If the Dow rips and roars higher, isn't it uh, the case that the, the U.S. dollar goes lower as the market goes higher? Therefore, the Canadian dollar should rally along with the Dow? No, not not necessarily. I'm looking right now at a longer-term chart of the U.S. dollar. Um, And uh, for the most part, during a secular bull market, uh, I'm looking specifically from the 90s to 2002, the U.S. dollar actually rallied uh, from, call it a a trough of around 78 in 1992, all the way to 120. 
I'm looking at the DXY, U.S. dollar index. So I'm looking for something similar to occur during this secular bull market. And so the this is a it's a rally of financial assets versus real assets. So right now, financial assets are uh, you know catching a, a bid. But our view is that as we come into 2030, uh, the next secular bull market commodities will take hold, which should last at least 10 years. And that's when real assets are going to catch a a real bid. Right. So you're speaking now 2030 to 2040, uh, correct? With the commodity, yeah. So, boy, we're we're, we're speaking, I was speaking about 2021. Now we're talking 2040. Hey, why not have a long-term view? You can always adjust (laughs) the roadmap. It's all about flexibility, balance quality, steadfast approach, and a process. That's part of the success that Jack and I bring to the table. Uh, Javid Mirza, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Uh, Best of the season to you and your family, and I can't thank you enough for all of your ongoing support. Uh, Patrick Ceresna, uh, market strategist at Big Picture Trading. Uh, Fresh, fresh view on the market. You're a very, very sharp man. We appreciate uh, your presence on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, You be safe, my friend. Be healthy, be wealthy, and we look forward to working with you again next year. Uh, Jack, uh, who's our next guest coming up on the show? Uh, We have Noah Solomon joining us. Right. Noah Solomon, of course, uh, manages money in a hedge fashion manner. He is certainly all about hedging his bets and managing risk. Uh, You stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Why not, my friends? It's Saturday night. It's a bull market. It was a bull market. We'll see how long it continues for. Great interviews there with Javid and uh, Patrick. Um, We're going to pivot over to another very, very smart man. His name is Noah Solomon. He's a chief investment officer uh, at Outcome. Uh, He is well experienced on Bay Street, uh, came from the institutional side. Uh, and of course, is now running uh, some funds. Uh, I, I view Noah as a hedge fund manager, although he uh, doesn't use leverage per se. Uh, uh, is it, Noah, do you use uh, short in your funds? I don't believe you short either, do you? No, sir, we do not. No, but you, so you use cash basically and, and ultra safe T bills. Uh, when you want to protect. And again, your mantra from you know the multiple interviews that we have conducted with you is protect first, uh, earn second. Uh, correct? And if that is the case, I want you to speak to uh, 2020, the year that was, uh, how you're currently positioned uh, with your portfolios and how you, your data sets, because uh, you, you're, again, very data-driven, uh, you, your data sets point towards 2021. So, you know, going back to, you know, 2020 was certainly an interesting year to say the least. Uh, Some might say unprecedented in terms of the swings. So, you know, we pretty did a pretty good job of protecting uh, like in March where, you know, depending on what country we're talking about, equity markets were down 30%, give or take, we were down 2.9%. Wow. And the reason for that is very simple, is to your point, we're algorithmically driven and our signals went red and said, you know, get out of Dodge. 
So to your point, we got out of Dodge, we liquidated all risk exposure and equity exposure, and we were hiding out in, you know, short-term investment grade bonds and treasuries. So, you know, we when you don't have a lot of risk, it's hard to lose a lot of money. Um, one thing I would say is the veracity of the rebound was largely unprecedented, and we will always be late. We can't predict and pick exact tops and bottoms. It's sort of a statistical trend-following model, so we definitely missed the first hour of the party on the way back. But, you know, through the piece, you know, we've, we've, we've certainly done a very good average return with extremely low volatility, not just in this year, but, you know, going back to the fourth quarter of 2018, when, you know, equities had a peak trough decline of about 20%, we were actually, we were actually up a tenth of a percent in that final quarter. So, you know, the first of our core strategy, global tactical asset case, the first principle is do no harm. Because if you have a 20% loss, you need a 25% gain to get back. If you have a 30% loss, you need a 43% gain to get it back. And, you know, back to 2020, so far this year, yes, things worked out well largely there there go the equity markets by the good graces of Jerome Powell. <laughs> but as I like to say, just because you jumped out of a second story window and you didn't crack your head open doesn't mean it was a good idea. <laughs> um no, uh, let's move you know let's move forward into 2021. Um again your 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 data sets uh, well, what's the story that they're, they're, they're reading to you for, for next year? Okay, so we don't think in terms of years. We kind of rebalance that portfolio every month. And it can be very, it can swing around a lot. It can go from very aggressive to extremely defensive from month to month. So it's very hard for me to say what it thinks for 2021 because it doesn't think that far. It's much more tactical than that. But I can tell you currently it's quite aggressively positioned. Now that could change in a month, but as it stands today in the here and now, it's quite, uh, it's quite optimistic. Well, it's a very, very interesting approach, Noah. Uh, Noah. And again, you, you need discipline if you're going to even consider doing what Noah does, because Noah is using data sets to help him uh, navigate waters and avoid choppy waters, which really tells me Noah is, market timing but with a process and, and jack you know the importance of process in everything you do in life from well i'm looking for a process for raising kids if anyone has one please send it to me but certainly with when it comes to money management process matters what jack and i focus on is excellent businesses first and foremost followed by excellent brands followed by diversity and we call the diversity part of it a barbell strategy where we have safer assets and perhaps other favor assets and we have in favor assets and we rotate around the board well i will say noah we unfortunately were not able to minimize the volatility in the month of march uh for our clients our portfolios did fall uh precipitously in march during covid uh the, but by the good grace of our experience uh we, we held great assets and uh 20 20 has actually been, I would say, the best year of my career uh, in, on a relative basis. Uh, we're, we're beating the TSX by 1,500 uh, basis points. In other words, our portfolios are up about 16% right now. The TSX uh, is still, I think, negative on the year. NASDAQ's up a ton. S&P is up, I think, about 10%. But if you strip out the U.S. dollar weakness, it's probably up 6 7%. So I, I have to say we, we've had a remarkable year. But it comes with that is volatility. You're doing the opposite. You're trying to reduce risk for people first and foremost. And I can see, therefore, why 
your your process is a good fit. Tell me a little bit more about the type of clients that are using your service because obviously you're not the type of shop that you go to to make a lot of money. Uh, that's not really what you're doing. It's about protecting. So what type of people are using your uh, uh, portfolios, Noah? So, of your, so of your investor, all, yeah. all, all of our clients are direct clients as opposed to through an introducer or, or third party. And they tend to be, or they're almost exclusively high net worth, ultra high net worth, and family office clients. So generally very sophisticated clients. And I would say one of the unifying sort of um, goals or objectives of these people is, frankly, they're already rich. And in some cases, extremely rich. And they're not looking to get rich. They're already rich. What they're looking at is to get a little bit richer every year at a respectable rate of return and taking being down 20 or 30 or 40 percent off the table. So it's very well suited for what they're doing, for what they want. Indeed. Jack, I got a quick uh, question for you here. It's a pop quiz. How often, Jack, do you need to get rich? Just once, Wolf. Just once. You got it, pal. We're going to go to commercial break. Get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio 640 in Toronto, the show about money. We got one more hit coming at you, my friends. It's going to be hot. You want to stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. my friends i don't know that tune uh, i allowed the guest to make a request and put it to air my good friend noah um please uh, share with us why that tune well you know and i just wrote about this in our latest commentary is i think over you know there's there's two things i like to talk about in you know forecasting for lack of a better word or you know what you think about the future and one is what i call the point to point and the other is what i call the recognition path so what I mean is, I could say, I think the S&P will be up 50% over the next five years. That's the point to point. Between now and five years from now, it'll be up 50%. But what I don't know is the recognition path. In other words, how it gets there. The first year could be good. The second year could be bad. The third year could be amazing or vice versa. I could flip that on its head. So I, I can generally feel much more confident about the point to point than I can about the recognition path. That's too cute. Nobody knows the exact path it's going to take to get there, at least not that I know of. So what I'm talking about in this case is emerging markets. So emerging markets are a very exciting asset class. And I don't think people, this is why I say people get ready, because I think they are going to be an extremely important driver of portfolio returns. I think in terms of point to point over the next five to 10 years, they will get double the return of developed markets, double. And you know what that means, compounded over five or 10 years. It's astronomical. But I think people are going to get flat-footed. It's not what people think they are. So the emerging markets of yesteryear were populated by what I call vulnerable countries, countries that were very heavily dependent on foreign money to get by. And inevitably, whenever there was a hiccup in the world, that foreign money came flying out, they had currency crises, equity market crashes. It was horrible. We're talking about Turkey, Argentina, Egypt, that kind of thing. 
Now, today's emerging markets are very heavily weighted towards countries like China, South Korea, Taiwan. These countries are not vulnerable. In many cases, they have more foreign exchange reserves than developed markets and lower debt levels. And we're thinking very sophisticated, well-managed, wealthy countries. The other thing is the sectoral breakdown. Historically, emerging markets were dominated by energy and materials. Very cyclical, volatile stuff. Today, they're dominated by Internet and technology stocks. Think Samsung, Tencent, Alibaba, these kind of things. Okay, these are much more stable, less cyclical, less risky businesses. Um, So it's changed. It's not what you think you are. So emerging markets have always traded at a valuation discount to develop markets because they should, because they were riskier. That valuation discount is no narrow, wider or narrower today than it has been historically. But it's a different animal. That discount's not warranted. And they're growing. Their economies are growing at twice the rate of the developed world. Twice. So you do the math, and I think most people are either not allocated at all or woefully under-allocated to this asset class, and we think it's going to be a people get ready, there's a train coming, that's the train. Don't miss it. Get on board. And we're just rolling out a strategy in the new year, which we think is a very intelligent, as you pointed out, data-driven, algorithmic way to lever yourself to this, what I think is going to be a tremendous phenomenon over the next five to ten years. You know, again, Noah, I'm going to say it. it's amazing, Jack. Great job lining him up for this week because your speak is dovetailing very nicely into uh, our last two weeks' worth of guests because uh, we had Eric Bushel on from CI, and I asked him specifically what are your viewpoints on emerging markets because Jack and I have been legging into emerging markets. And he said, Wolf and Jack, there's only one emerging market to pay attention to. Guess who that is, Noah? Just one. China. You nailed, you nailed it. China. He says, all he needs to do is China for every single reason Noah just outlined. Uh, so Jack and I put, put a Chinese position on with the fixie. We actually added some emerging markets just to spread it around a bit with the EEM. Uh, but we also bought some pick and some gunner, a couple other ETFs to get us uh, some global base metals exposure as well as some big oil exposure. Uh, so we have tilted and adjusted our portfolios in the last couple of weeks to get set for exactly what Noah is speaking about this next wave. Things do change, my good friends, without question. You have to be flexible enough to uh, adjust your sales to the gales. Uh, Jack, over to you. Uh, you want to uh, prime Noah with a couple quick questions before we wrap the show up? Yeah, sure. Noah, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. I just wanted to go back to the process um, element of your of, of what you're seeing. So based on the markets right now, you said it's very favorable. Um, what, what types of positions are you putting on right now? What sectors do you like? Well, we don't really get down to the sector level. We're more of a country and asset class person. So which countries and whether bonds versus stocks kind of thing. So right now it's it's very heavily in what I call, you know, pro-cyclical risk assets as opposed to, you know, corporate bond, safe corporate bonds or treasuries. So that's what I mean when it's very aggressive. In terms of that portfolio of risk assets, it's it's about 50% equity. And the remaining risk assets would be things like would be things like REITs, uh, emerging market sovereign bonds, high yield bonds. Right. Very pro risk. And you mentioned at the top of the show basically that you rebalance or your system rebalances your portfolio every month based on uh, the current situation and, and what it's seeing. Uh, what, what's the turnover for your portfolio and what's the overall all cost to hedge 
uh, over a year uh, for your clients. The cost to hedge? Yes, the cost to hedge. We, so like we don't, we don't cost, hedge. Our, our, our version of hedging is getting out of the way and liquidating and hiding out in basically cash-like instruments. So we don't hedge. Um, we just get out of the way when things are bad. A hedge is something that you always have on. We don't. We're either on, we're in or we're out. And our version of hedging is getting out of the way. Um, right, okay. So that, that's kind of what I would, would say about that. But, you know, Wolf was talking about market timing. And, you know, I just want to say I don't believe in market timing. Now, you have to be careful with semantics here. If you define market timing as picking exact tops and bottoms in the markets, then I don't think it can be done. Can't, I can't do it. I don't know anyone who can pick exact tops and bottoms consistently in markets. I don't do it. I don't try and do it. I've never seen anyone be successful in doing it. So we'll always be late. It's a trend following system. It's reacting, albeit in a very dispassionate and algorithmic and mathematical way, but it's not predicting. It's not market timing. It's reacting. It's a trend following system. So I don't think anyone can time the markets. I just don't. Well, I'd have to agree with no on that one. And uh, I think we're running out of time for the show, my good friends. It is Saturday night. Each and every week, of course, we bring you this show about money. Jack and I are here to help you. And I'm having my home renovated, and I had the city of Toronto come by and turn my water off. Got some plumbing work, and the fellow who turned my water off said, hey, very nice home. My friend, the key to happiness is to help the poor. I said, God bless you, my good friends. I have to make some more donations to my favorite charity, which is Covenant House. Each and every one of you, please help those who have less than you. They're everywhere, and it's a great world we live in. It's a great country we live in. Share the wealth. Noah Solomon, thank you for sharing the wealth. Respect to your process for money management, Chief Investment Officer at Outcome. If you want to reach uh, Noah and uh, discuss further his process, I'm sure you can find him at Outcome.com. I want to wish you a safe weekend, Jack. Thanks for setting up the show today. And Jack and I will be back with you next Saturday right here on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.